0: Hello everybody, welcome back. This week is Parashas Kisisa <clears throat> and we're going to be learning the halachas of Purim. The reason why we're going to be doing the halachas of Purim is because I won't be giving a shear for the next two weeks and then it is already Purim, so <clears throat> I figured I would give it a little bit in advance. In any case, it's good uh, to give it a little bit in advance. <clears throat> as we're going to be talking about the halachas of Mishlech Manas. I'm also, towards the end, I'm going to mention a little bit about some Pesach shopping, even though I don't want to bring that upon anybody, but again, since I'm not going to be giving a shiurim for a couple of weeks, so I figured i will just make a mention of a couple of points. So, <clears throat> as far as halachas of Purim can, uh, go, we're going to talk a little bit about Parshas Zohar, and then more about Mishlech Manas. So, Parshas Zohar, which is going to be, not next week, but the following week, Parshas Bikudeh, The obligation to hear Pasha zakhr is essentially a man's obligation, and it's not really a woman's obligation, because it's a mitzvah seshazman grama, it's a timely mitzvah, but um, like many other mitzvahs, uh, women have largely accepted upon themselves to try to hear Pasha zakhr, and in addition, there are some opinions that hold that women are obligated in Pasha zakhr as well. So... Many women do make the effort to come and hear Parsha Zakhar and Parashat Zacher has to be read from a Sefer and it has to be read in the presence of ten men, and it's a, it is definitely worthwhile uh, and very important to make the effort to try to attend, and also to bring children who are the age of Chinuch um, to listen to Parsha Zacher as well. And if, for whatever reason, a person wasn't able to come to Parashat Zacher, there is a make up according to some place, Kim, but for that you would need to make it to um shachris on purim and here kreisatira uh par- and, um, which is the parsha of yobe um so that might be uh, considerably more difficult than making parsha zohar on shabbos so well <coughs> uh, advisable then is to try to make parsha zohar on uh, shabbos which is going to again be of Bikuda in 2 weeks As far as Mishlach Manas goes, so the mitzvah of Mishlach Manas, as we know, is to give two portions of food to one person. And uh, we can give as many as we want, and every time we give two portions to any person, we're Mikhail the mitzvah of Mishlach Manas, so we can do it multiple times over Purim. And the question always is, is how different do the two portions of food need to be? Can they be just two pieces of cake? And my mother um, says that in Europe, that's what they would do. They would just bring a plate of cake, and the person would take two pieces off, <laughs> that's how they did Mishlai Achmanes, not that much pomp involved, um, but the many Paiskems seem to say that they're hard to call that two separate portions, because it's just two slices of cake, it's really one big portion, and according to them, there needs to be some kind of way to differentiate between the portions, and uh, lately there's some people that say that maybe they have to be two different brachas, but it's clear that they don't have to actually be two different brachas, it's just two different two items which are distinct and separate, so... A uh, vegetable platter that has different vegetables it would also be fine. That would certainly be good. That would that would work, um, and likewise, you know, uh, an apple, well, one green apple and even one red, red apple would really work because they have a different flavor and they look they they look different and they serve different purposes. So that also would be Mikhaim the mitzvah of uh, mishloach The one thing which. I do believe is probably only considered one portion is if you make a salad, so if you make a salad, so even though you include croutons or you include almonds or whatever else, but the idea is that it all should be mixed together and it should be one dish, that actually would be considered one portion, so even though you might you know give it with this all the separate ingredients individually, but they're meant to be eaten together mixed together, that likely is considered one portion, but obviously, if you give it like with a breadstick, then that would qualify as two portions, and that would certainly work for Mishlach Manas. And there's no minimal amount uh, how big a portion could be. It could be very little. Uh, it could be one breadstick is fine for a portion. There's no, there's no, there's no halacha about how much it has to be. However, uh, it has to be something respectable, and uh, that's why you know what uh, some people used to do in yeshiva, a peanut and a raisin, that uh, that doesn't work. But uh, it's a good thing to keep in mind as well when making Mishlach Manas, which are largely candy and stuff like that, it's good to give one thing which is more respectable. So, you know, if you're giving to teachers and so on and so forth, you might want to make one that is more of a thing that would be part of a suda, and the rest can be, you know, candy or whatever it is. But it's, it's ideal to do one, at least, that is more of a of something much more um, valuable water bottles should not be counted as a portion, but anything flavored could be. So any kind of flavored water can be counted as a portion. Also, whatever you give has to be able to be eaten the way you give it. So if you want to give a bag of beans and barley for uh, ingredients for cholin that would... I mean, it's a nice gift, but it wouldn't qualify as Mishlech Manas because it's not edible without cooking. So anything which is not edible without cooking can't be given... Um, from Mishlach Manas. Men and women are equally obligated in the mitzvah of Mishlach Manas. But a married woman doesn't have to go out and give herself; her, her husband can give it on her behalf. And there are those that say that actually it's ideal when giving mishloach manas that you should give it through another person, a shliach, uh, as the Lushan seems to indicate. Mishloach manas means you send it, and you send it through someone else. So there are some poskim that say that specifically you should give it through someone else. So a husband certainly can give it on your behalf. Um, children also should be you should be them to give manas. Usually they don't need too much encouragement; they're, they're very excited to give mishloach Um for other there doesn't really seem to be an Indian to be mechanach our children, even though we should always be them to give tzedakah, but it doesn't, uh, they, aren't, they aren't considered that they have money, so they, there isn't really a, a, an obligation to give them money to give Matanaslav Mishloach should not be sent to someone who's an Avelos. So, if there's a couple and the husband is an Avelos, so mishloach can be given to the wife. And if it's given to the wife, it should be sent by a woman. So, in other words, if uh, if you're sending mishloach to a family, the husband is an Avelos, it should be directed towards the wife. Uh, if the woman is an Avelos and the husband is not, then your husband should be giving it to the husband. That's that's ideal the way it should be done. If it's a bigger bigger family with older kids, then you can kind of give it to the whole family, and that's okay. Then. The you don't have to specify who it's, uh, who it's intended for. Someone who is in Avelis themselves is allowed to give Misle Ahmans and they're obligated to give Mislamans um, but <clears throat> but they uh, you're not supposed to send to them <coughs> excuse me okay um <clears throat> If you're baking for misla Ahmans. Um, so obviously if you make a sufficient amount, if you make five pounds of flour, so that's going to be obligated in challah, and you should be mafresh challah with a bracha, even though you're intending on dividing it up and giving it out to different families, but essentially it's all yours, you can change your mind and keep it all, so it is uh it is challah, and you should be mafresh with a bracha. Sometimes though you bake in different batches, so if you do that, and you bake baked in batches that are less than five pounds, but by the time you're done, you have a sufficient amount of cookies or cake or, or rolls that exceeds five pounds, so wait until you're done, until you have the full amount that it is you're going to bake, and then bring them all together. So the way you bring them all together, presumably you probably have them in your freezer, so uh, you, what you should do is you should open the bags, whatever they're in, open the bags. That's all you need to do, and then... Um, Bring the put the bags close to each other, cover them with a towel, and then you could just take one and be mafreshit as challah with a broccoli. You don't have to give a whole roll for challah. You can just take the requisite amount off that roll. Like a kazayas is usually what we give for challah. You shouldn't really do more than that. Because it's uh, it's Baltashkas, you don't need to give more than you shouldn't give more than that. So obviously, it's going to ruin one of your rolls. Um, So what you could also do is you can uh, you can bake a special small little roll for the sake of challah. But what you shouldn't do is uh, you shouldn't give part dough and part baked. So if you know you're going to end up with a sheer challah baked, so then. The half rasha should be done once, once everything is baked from something that's baked. You're not mafresh from dough on something that's baked. So you wait, to wait until everything is baked, and then you take off a little bit, or you could even, like I said, you could even create a little one, speci- especially for the sake of being challah, and then uh, and then be mafresh challah with a bracha, and then burn that. If you're buying um, dishes or jars to uh, put your mishloach in, so you really do have to title those things first. Uh, and with a bracha, and it doesn't help to line it with a napkin or with a silver foil. That that doesn't help. It still requires tfila. Um, Ideally, if you're giving it to a gift, it's, uh, it's really... It's probably even smarter to like, be Mazaka. You don't have to do that, though. The bottom line is, is that if you're buying a bunch of dishes, you should see to be tabled them and take off the stickers and whatever it is to, n- n- necessary in order to be tabled. Uh, a little bit on Hilchus Tfila, glass and metal needs to be tabled, but plastic obviously doesn't have to be tabled, even if it's very glass-like. And um, ceramic doesn't really need to be tabled. There are those who have a minute to be it, but certainly in this situation where you're giving it as a gift, you certainly can be lenient in anything. Ceramic does not need to be tabled. I want to make a small, like I said before, mention three points regarding Pesach shopping again because I'm not going to be speaking for the next two weeks and people might already begin. So I just wanted to mention some points I mentioned last year. Uh, And hopefully when we speak about Pesach, I'll, I'll develop this a little bit further. But here are the three quick points. Um, number one, I don't. Su- I suggest not buying quinoa. So even though quinoa is certified by the Star K and OU, many eminent and skin do consider it to be kidneyous, and that's the way I understand as well. So unless you have a, a very special reason to need quinoa, a dietary restriction or something, uh, ideally you should avoid that. Number two, I also mentioned this last year, is that non-Shmura Matzah, even though essentially Shmura Matzah is something you only need for the Seder, and non-Shmura Matzah is fine for the rest of Pesach, the problem is is that non-Shmura Matzah doesn't have the same level of Hashkacha that a Ben taira, a Bnei Yeshiva, would really desire for Pesach. And therefore, even though it has no UP, it's, 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 a, it's a weak Hashkacha, as far as Matzah is concerned, and it should be avoided. So, if you can... And that, therefore, it applies to all things made out of non-Shmura matzah as well. So many OUP products, let's say like a filter fish and so on, have non-Shmura in it. And it's ideal, if you can, to avoid buying those products. And I know that could be difficult. Uh, uh, Shaloms doesn't always carry it. But if you actually put in a request now, they might be able to get it for you or, you know, give it enough time. You can see to get it from Baltimore or from somewhere else. Somewhere else. And number three, this is very important, and unfortunately this became relevant last year, but this happens everywhere. Uh, When you're buying something from the Pesach Isle, check and double-check that it has an OUP. And even if you're buying a few items, which all seem the same, and the top one has an OUP, check that all of them have an OUP. This happened last year, numbers, uh, different things got mixed in, which uh, were chametz. And it's happened in other places also. People have buy, bought pie crusts. People have bought kishka. They thought it, it was in the Pesach aisle. They thought it was Kosher Pesach. And it was not. And it was chametz. So it's, uh, it is really... The, the the store does its best to try to make sure that this doesn't happen. But mistakes do happen. And it's ultimately the consumer's responsibility to check that every single item you have is Kosher Pesach. Like I said, we'll come back to this, Bez Hashem. Talk about it more at length. But for anybody who might be beginning to do Pesach shopping... I wanted to say this for their for their benefit.